This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast. Sponsored by fanjewel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, episode 28. I'm your host, Terence Ford of redandblarmy.co.uk, and I'm here along with Nick Philpott and Jack Watson to build you up to Sunday's trip to Liverpool, where Palace will be looking to do something that hasn't been done by any team in over 40 years and win three on the bounce at Anfield. The opposition view this week will be provided by Jay from the Cop Table, and our classic match this week will be the epic day at Villa Park back in April of 1990. But for all of that, remember to head over to hrlradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by fanjewel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, yes, ladies and gentlemen, episode 28, we are here and I have birthday boy Nick Philpot. It was your birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. It feels as though I've done every all 28 of these podcasts as well. <laughs> well, um, if only you were 28 years old. Um, what, were we times in that by three yet? Not quite uh, that. No, not quite that many. It was 54 yesterday. Do you know, even my missus called me an old bleep machine get out. <laughs> and also we have uh, Jack Watson with us, um, who's certainly not 28 yet. Yeah, no, bringing in the youth. Um <laughs> Well, pacey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the horrible thing is I'm probably almost old enough to be your dad at 34, but um, we'll just leave that alone. Um, watching you on a Quid and Advertiser video yesterday with uh, Mark Ritson, uh, when you see him next, can you tell him that that low camera angle is doing him no favours? He it properly did weird things to his neck. <laughs> I'll let him know. I have watched them before, and they I think sometimes they've got a table much lower than the one we had, so we got the better of the two angles. But, um, yeah, it certainly wasn't great, was it? <laughs> no, it certainly wasn't for him. Now, you look fine, but for him, yeah, it looks looks like he's um, he's been at the Easter eggs, shall we say? But... <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so um, I think the first thing we'll touch on this week is Steve Parrish will be joining the Dragons Den along with Jenny Campbell. I have no idea who Jenny Campbell is. I'm not going to pretend I do. Um, how you feeling about this, Nick? Are you outraged like some people? Neutral? Don't care? 
I would be more concerned about what the Yank owners feel about it because he's 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 still representing the club, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, I don't care what he does with his money. Good luck to him. He's uh, it's going to lift his own profile, but does it bring anything to the club? You know, the only the only time the typical Palace fans are going to go and start moaning about it is when we don't sign the right player that they particularly want. It's because he spent too much money on Dragon's Den, haven't he? And, that, yeah. and that's what and that's what you're going to hear. But quite frankly, good luck to him if he lifts his own profile. Yeah, and um, my friend Ben, he he shared a meme the other day going, if we ever get relegated from the Premier League, it'll be full of memes like this. And it's like, and for that reason, I'm out, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, Jack, little speculation here. Uh, Nick touched on the Yanks there and whether they'd be interested, uh, be happy with him doing this. Maybe is this a sign that Parrish might be offloading? Could be. I mean, he's a businessman and I think that he's invested a lot in Palace over the last few years. This might just be him just getting back into the world of business a little bit. I would watch it with a bit of caution because I think I prefer the owners to sort of stay out of the kind of celebrity limelight that he appears to be emerging into now. So I would watch it with a little bit of caution, but you know, I, I, you know I'm happy for him. I don't care too much, but I'd just be a bit cautious. Yeah, I can't. Um, I mean, he's his own man. If he, he's always had that bit of celebrity in him. Um, there will be people of the opinion that chairman should just be um, seen but not heard kind of thing in the background, just putting up the cash. But um, he's always the sort of person who's going to do this. So and do you think a... he's off then? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he's off now, no. Um, I think there's just too much money in it for now. I think if we hadn't got to the Premier League, I think they would have tried and uh, sold up and been off by now. Uh, but I think Steve Parrish is a smart man and knows that you can make a lot of money. And like Jack there says, he's invested a lot of his own money. I, I'm sure he's probably about cost neutral now. I know he, that he doesn't really want to take much money out, um, but I think his initial investment he clearly has back. And um yeah, well, we'll see. I'll, I'll watch the first episode. I'll reserve judgment until then and um, <laughs> see what we get out of him. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch on was the Sam Allardyce um, press conference with the kids. Did you guys see this on eagles.cpfc.co.uk? Yeah. yeah. yeah um, but it, there was an interesting question there in asking um, something along the lines of without... Um, abusing not abusing that wasn't a word but you know upsetting the current squad of players what position would you most want to replace and he actually had to dodge it because he didn't want to <laughs> touch on an actual <laughs> position but he did say um contracts not being renewed so nick who do you, who do you think he's talking about there well i i did listen to it and i did make myself a little list because i'm sad like that okay <laughs> the players that i think will be off at the end of the season are as follows now these are a mixture of um, players that won't be playing for us for various reasons and out contract players. And they are Steve Mandanda, Zeki Friars, Joel Ward, Matthew Flamini, Chung Young Lee, Jonathan Benteke, uh, Fraser Campbell and Loic Remy. So that's eight on my list that I came up with without even thinking about it too too heavily. Um, and that's for Joel very... Joel was an interesting one. I think we need an established right back. Joel Ward, I think, will make an ideal... Back up a right back for next season. Zeki Fries for obvious reasons. Steve Mandanda, the elusive mm. one. Loic Remy doesn't exist anyway. He's just a figment of somebody's imagination. Matthew, Matthew Flamini, Chung Young Lee, Jonathan Benteke, we haven't really seen yet. And mm. it, I feel I feel a little bit for Fraser Campbell because he's not even going to get a look in, um, especially if the rumours are right 
Loic Remy is available this weekend as well. Uh, we we may need we may need a spare striker over the next seven days because we've got three games in. Is it three games in six days or three yeah. games? In well, you know, look, I don't. I wouldn't feel too sorry for Fraser Campbell. He's picked up a pretty penny sitting on the bench, and um, he will because he's out of contracts. Will get another big payoff, uh, get another big contract somewhere because one of the teams will want to take him on. Um, Jack, one person Nick didn't touch on there was Jordan Much. Do you think he's going to be included <laughs> in that? <laughs> That gang. We spoke about a figment of imagination in Remy. Yeah, much. Yeah, he's still in the books. He'll be off in the summer. Um, I've no doubt about it. Um, I think I think even the Reading fans are getting a little bit fed up with him. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's only been there for a couple of months. Um, no, he, there's there's no way he can survive in the Premier League. Um, also, I think I have, I have a feeling that Joel Ledley might be off in the uh, mm. summer as well. So I, really? He, yeah, I think I'm not sure if his contract's expiring. He might be running down. So it was either, yeah. I think it'll either run out this year it, or next. Ledley but has I think... a, he has a history of running the, out his contracts. And, um, you know, it, it just means you get more money towards the end because the fee hasn't been paid. And I, I'm, I would assume that he's he's on his way to Cardiff, I'd imagine. I think he would be. Just because um, sort of next season will be running up to the World Cup where he'll be, you know, with Wales. I'd, I'd be surprised to get to the World Cup, but he'll be a big part of that campaign and he'll need to be playing first-team football if he's to get into that squad. So I would be surprised if he's a Palace player next season. Mm, and obviously, obviously um, the big news from the South Coast this week is that Brighton have earned promotion to the Premier League. Um, <laughs> are we looking forward to spanking them next season? Is that to me? Um, yeah. I've... Listen, you youngsters have never really got to grips with the Palace-Brighton rivalry. I mean, you might have seen one or two of them, but don't forget, my history goes back to the famous Peter, Day- Peter Taylor, Alan Mullery, uh, Terry Venables days, and I remember it at its inception. I can't wait for it. I would like to publicly congratulate Brighton for their promotion, and let's get on with it. Let's get... Let's show all these big clubs, the Manchester clubs, the Merseyside derbies. Let's show them what a proper rivalry is all about, because I think we will next year. I'm, I'm Jack, with that as well. I was, have, you know, you ever I was, hit, have you hit one, Jack? Have you no. ever been to one before? I've, I've, been, I've been to a few, yeah. Not, probably not as many as Nick, but I, I was so... <laughs> all right, I was, all right. <laughs> I, I was, there's, there's a part of me which is kind of happy to see Brighton in the Premier League now, because every time... Since we've been promoted, every time there's a league or an FA Cup draw, yeah, I'm wanting Palace to draw Brighton. I want one of those yep. games at Sellers Park or the MX. I want to go because you know we haven't had a proper rivalry since you know we've got some London rivalries, sort of West Ham, um, sort of you know Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs. But that, that that means nothing to fans. This Brighton rivalry, we haven't had a proper one for a long time. And it'd be great to have two games against them next year. Six points, hopefully. Really well yeah. said as well. When you match our squads up as well, I think it should be six points, but <laughs> we we shall see. Um, with with Brighton getting promoted in mind, I'm going to rant a little bit now, so bear with me. Um, it's brought out all the homophobic um, comments from the Palace fans, and look, everyone, g- give it a rest, basically. Um, you might think it's a bit of banter and a laugh and so on, and it's not banter. If you're using someone's sexuality or sexual preference as a negativity, uh, that you're using it to apply negative things on the players and their fans and so on, that's that's not banter. You upset people. I know gay Palace fans who are in the crowd. 
and the amount of times I've seen them have arguments, specifically my sister is a lesbian and people shouting homophobic stuff about Brighton in the stands. How do you think that makes those people feel in there? And um, when it's my sister, it gets personal for me as well. And we've had quite a few occasions at times at Palace matches over the years because of this fact. Just leave it alone. The whole song, we scored five, they scored none, etc., etc. There's a much better line for that. Instead of singing what everybody else sings, sing Brighton fans are f***ing scum. It, you're going to be way more accurate on a percentage-wise. Only 10% of their fans statistically <laughs> will be gay, where about 80% of them will be f***ing scum. So, <laughs> so, so look, just lay off it. It's not banter. It's, two, it's 2017. Move, on, move away from it and just, um, just say accurate things about them because that's far better. Right, rant over. Um, Let's get into previewing the Liverpool game. So, as I said up in the intro of the show, guys, if we win, I'm 95%, probably a bit more than 95% sure that that stat is real, that we'll be the first team to win three games in a row at Anfield since Arsenal did it in the early 70s. Um, What I did was, to check it, I looked up all the teams that I thought could have done it. And, um, yeah, and it was Arsenal in in the early 70s were the only ones that popped up. So, yeah. Nick, do you do you remember those three Arsenal wins on the bounce? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Every but given, I'm, I'm glad we're coming to the end of the season, okay? Because you, you're going to have to get yourself a bit more new material. Um, yeah. In actual fact, the, the your point you're making about the three wins and everything else up at Anfield, I think it was also alluded to in Sam's press conference today, uh, and I think it is accurate. Um, do I think we're going to get there? Assuming that's what you're about to ask me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think we probably will. Uh, I've got, I'm quite hopeful. We seem to be able to turn it on against the bigger teams. Okay, We've certainly done it away from home. And I was glad to say I was at Stamford Bridge. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite optimistic about it. I've got a couple of concerns. I'm sure we're going to come on to the formation and the team in a minute. But um, that would be my only concern is obviously the lineup. Yeah, so obviously, Jack, with the big one is that Sacco is out because he can't play against his parent club. Um, let us know how big of a miss that's going to be. I think it's, it's a huge miss. I was saying yesterday that Sacco has brought a different class to our defence, but we've had some good defenders in recent times. Like we were saying how good Dan's been, Delaney's been a rock, but they haven't had the class which Sacco's got. He's just a level above everyone. And to take him out of our team... Um, during the preview yesterday with the Croydon advertisers, we had a question asking us, is Sacco the best defender Palace have had in 20 years? Now, for those kind of things to be said when he's three months into you know, being a defender at this club is huge. Like The man has transformed our season. I really dread to think where we'd be without him. And he's such a huge miss on uh, Sunday. Quite clever for Liverpool to make sure we can't use uh, him <laughs> against him. It was sneaky. Sometimes you can use them. Um, but no, he's a huge miss and, you know, whoever steps in, it looks like it will be Delaney or Tompkins to partner Kelly at the back. Um, they're going to have to have a huge game if we're going to get something. Yeah, so Tompkins, um, well, this is the great thing about, we were supposed to record this podcast yesterday. We're doing it today, uh, on Thursday instead. And the great thing is we could hear Allardyce's press conference. Yeah. So um, we do know that Tompkins uh, will be back. Uh, Nick, do you put him straight in, bearing in mind... We've got a lot of games coming up. It's tough. He's just recovering from an injury. Or do you, do you stick with putting Delaney in because he's left-footed and naturally slots in on that side of defence? No, I don't. I think I, My personal opinion is Tompkins comes back in. Uh, I think the more interesting one is what you do with Schlupp. Um, Schlupp and Patrick Van Aanholt. Um, I think I would be, I'd feel happier 
in that lineup if PVA was to come back in. But no, Tompkins comes straight in. I think the, the person who's going to have the biggest effect on uh, the result on either way on Sunday is uh, Luka Milivojevic because he's going to have such... They're not lumping it up to a big forward. They're going to try playing it through us. If he can cut off their supply in front of the back four to give the Tompkins, Kelly uh, and and uh, Patrick Van Aanholt a chance and even Joel Ward, cut it off at source, I think that's where we'll win the game. And if, if Luke has a good game, then I think we'll get a positive result out of it. If he doesn't, I think we've got a problem. Yeah, well, with um, Jordan Henderson's out for Liverpool, um, but Coutinho and Firmino are the informed players, so Milivojevic yep. is certainly going to get in, stuck in with them. And um, you're right, I, I think, but with Henderson missing, we'll have a good chance of bossing that midfield. Um, going back, I'm going to go back to Sacco a minute, Jack. Uh, is it maybe a blessing that he's not playing because being Anfield against his team, wanting to prove a point, he might try a little bit too hard and sort of get all out of sync, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, he well, he he probably does have a point to prove and we've seen that, you know, in January he's coming and, you know, showing a really good account for himself. I think it's also a chance now for whoever takes his place to sort of be on trial a little bit. I mean that by, we've brought Saka, so we've seen the potential of players we could have in that position. So it's now down to whether it's Delaney or Tompkins and, and even Kelly still, you know, I think they're on trial at the moment. And, you know, Sam has hinted there's going to be some changes in the summer, you know, whether we stay up mm. or whether we go down. So I think some of those defenders should be sort of having a little bit of a think about, you know, their performances and whether, you know, it's going to be good enough for next season, especially. I think the um, point you can tell, if you don't mind, I think the point you're trying to make there is that, uh, he would have put himself under pressure. From what I can gather from the Liverpool fans, I know that um, he has got a, Sacco has definitely got a mistake in him. The last thing I would want to do is affect his confidence. If it was for him to play at Anfield on Sunday and and produce that mistake at Anfield because that, mm. that would kill him for the rest of the season, I think. So I, I actually think it's quite a bit of a bonus that he's not playing. Do we need him to make a couple of mistakes so gets the likes of Roma off of his radar and um, then we can sign him? <laughs> it's been it's been in some ways a bit unfortunate just how good he has been because you know we we were in a good position to look at making his deal permanent. And from what I understand, he loves the club. Um, he he got a good really really good relationship with a lot of the players. It's quite a good French contingent at the moment. But with teams like I think it's PSG and Roma rumored to be looking at him. I mean, at his stage in his career, it'll be hard for him to turn around, you know, a big Champions League team like that. So if they're in for him in the summer, we've got no chance. Well, you say yeah, that, well, but will they, be, will they be able to afford the 25 million, though? And his wages? We can. We're in that position now. We're playing with the big boys. I don't know that Roma could afford that sort of money. That is a fair point. There's not so much money banging around in Italy. Um, they definitely have to... I don't think they'd ever be able to pay him as much as us, but then it's just down to whether Sacco wants to play Champions League football, etc. Yeah. But that's, that's, if that's we that's going to be worth more than money, surely though. Yeah, it's, it depends. Yeah, it, it depends. That's right. It depends what he is mentality-wise, and you get the idea that he likes to play and he wants to be successful and so on. So it'll be an interesting one. But look, if we don't get him, we can always just sign John Terry, right? <laughs> um, that's a joke. We should. <laughs> I, was going, I, was going to say, Ooh, okay. I thought you were actually asking the question. There, I really. no, I don't like. Look, it's been a big thing all over Palace social media in the last couple of days. Should we bring in John Terry? I I just can't see how it's ever going to happen. Really, it's you know, Allardyce touching it in his press conference uh, today, saying we've got loads of centre backs at the club. 
And I, I just don't see it being on our radar. But I don't, I don't want to give that any more oxygen, if I'm honest. Let's, talk, let's move on to another ex-Liverpool player and Christian Benteke. Um, five goals in six matches against Liverpool in his, in his Premier League career. Well, I say Premier League. I think a couple of those in cups as well against Liverpool. Um, you think he'll be looking to prove Jurgen Klopp wrong, won't you, on Sunday, Nick? I hope he does. But again, it's the same, the same as we just said about Sacco. My only concern about uh, Benteke is that he tries too hard. I like what he's doing at the moment. Uh, Allardyce has got his work work rate right up. He's closing down. He's chasing down. He's harrying. He's haranguing. I just don't want that to stop at Anfield. If if he can carry on the level of performances he's shown in the last couple of weeks, I think I think it would be one to shove straight up the backside of Jurgen mm. Klopp. Yeah, when you match Benteke up against our centre-backs, Jack, it looks quite favourable, doesn't it? Well, yeah, we've, we're missing Sacco, but I think Liverpool are, lose, are losing quite a few players for Sunday. Um, yeah, Cla- be- Clavin, um, Matip, um, Lucas. Yeah, so it's, they're, they're you all know, out. They're going to have Lovren partnered with, I mean, you know, that's, that's anyone guess at the moment. So, you know, it's going to be a bit of a makeshift back four, maybe. Um, I think we'll have to wait to Sunday to see the full extent of that. But, you know, it's going to be a great opportunity for whoever comes in for Liverpool for, you know, Benteke to bully and sort of... Liverpool won't like that. They won't like a big man up front, you know, sort of get, you know, asserting themselves around their defence. They're going to they're gonna want to keep the ball down. If we just make, you know, if Benteke can make a nuisance of himself, I'm sure he'll be able to get a few goals against Liverpool. Well, he certainly put himself about against the PFA team of the year centre-back pairing at Chelsea and came up trumps in that one and... Um... Oh, well, Arsenal centre-backs are never going to be anywhere near the PFA team of the year this season, but he's proven multiple times this in the last few weeks that he can certainly battle it with the best of them. Um, will he get a strike partner this weekend, Nick, with Loic Remy being back, or will Remy injure himself walking off the coach? Uh, I'll, I'll be even surprised if he even travelled, if I'm honest with you, because he's, <laughs> he's certainly not going to be match, match fit. Um, he'll probably trip on the way on the steps up to the coach. So uh, no, I don't think he'll be suffering from jet lag somehow. <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think he'll uh, I don't think he'll be featuring this weekend. He may well be an option for later in the week with the other two games coming up uh, very quickly. So he may come off the bench at some point, but I don't think he'll feature in Liverpool. Right, that's enough talking about that. Let's get some. Uh, views from the opposition will next up after a short jingle we'll be talking to Jay from the cop table Homestyle Radio Freeview Podcast sponsored by fanjewel.co.uk the next generation of fantasy football right we are now joined by Jay from the cop table hello Jay thanks for joining us pal evening lads you're okay all good, thank you. Look, there's only really one place for us to start as Palace fans at the moment, and that's with um, Mamadou Sacco. Obviously, um, looking up at Liverpool, it seems like um, you're having the age-old problem of you scoring a lot but conceding a lot. You know, five more than Man City, 13 more than Chelsea, 18 more than Spurs. Looking at it now, do you think it was a mistake to let Sacco go, or do you think it's a bit more complex than that? It's a strange one, really, because, I mean, I know he's doing really well. He's near Palace for your boys. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I have to say that he, he's probably, he probably is one of our best centre-halves when you analyse the other players that we've got at the club. I mean, he's obviously better than Ragnar Klavan. Um, I, I personally think he's better than Dejan Lovren as well because he, he doesn't make as, as many mistakes as what Lovren makes. 
And mm. you know, people are praising Matta, but he's a different type of centre half to Sacco, really. He's more of a ball playing centre half. So yeah, you know, Sacco is a very good central defender, but he's also the type of defender where at times he can be a bit sloppy and he he, he has had his faults at Liverpool, to be honest with you. Yeah, so you know, I don't even think he's great either, but he's done well for your boys, and I'm pretty sure that he's like the Sahana would be in the summer. Yeah, I think a lot of people have talked about how, as I think especially Match of the Day was talking about it, saying that it's the kind of defending that he's good at. He's having to throw his body around all the time. He's always involved, so he doesn't really get a chance to be sloppy. His concentration can't slip and so on, and he's he's always in the mix all the time. And I think that's definitely suiting him. And if we couldn't get him in the summer, I think you can demand probably a pretty penny from us for him. <laughs> um, so looking at your season as a whole, if you had to write a report card on it, how, how would you be say you've been doing at the moment? Well, to be honest, at the start of the season, because we never had no European competition to contend with, no Europa League games or Champions League games, realistically, the minimum aim for Liverpool this season had to be getting into the top four and qualifying for the Champions League next season. Obviously, it would have liked to have picked up a trophy as well along the way, but, you know, it wasn't to be. Um, but, you know, as it stands, Liverpool are third in the table and we are heading in that direction now for a qualification for the Champions League. It's still going to be tough. There's still five games to go, and obviously the, there's clubs around us that have got games in hand on us as well. So, you know, if they win their games in hand, then it's going to be really tight at the top. But, um, you know, I think now getting them two victories away from home against Stoke and West Brom in the manner that we did, because the type of places where Liverpool tend to struggle and we don't really get results there. So to go there and get two great victories and get six points on the board at a crucial stage of the season. You know, I think Liverpool now it's ours to throw away, isn't it? You know, I'd like to think Liverpool will sort it out now and will get into the top four. But I have to say that, you know, coming up against Crystal Palace at the weekend, I mean, you've won at Anfield the last two times, haven't you? So, you know, you're a little bit of a bogey team to Liverpool. So, I mean, I know we beat you earlier on in the season at your place, but when it's been Anfield the last couple of seasons... You've beaten us twice, so you know I think it'll be a tricky game, to be honest. Yeah, I think if we beat you on Sunday, we'll be the first team to win three in a row at Anfield since Arsenal in the early 70s. So it shows how much of a bogey team we are, really, in that sense. But talking about coming up against Palace, and um, I'll call this lesser opposition for this um, conversation, but teams at Anfield in the lower half of the division you've had some struggles against so you've you've lost to Swansea at home obviously Bournemouth came back the other week from two goals down so are you worried for this coming weekend that that trend can, can would continue and perhaps derail your Champions League push? Well yeah that's it you know it's obviously a concern because you know Liverpool are very good aren't they against the better teams in the league you know when we come up against your Chelsea's mm. your Tottenham's your Arsenal's and Man City, Man United, you know, Everton, we've done a double over Everton as well. All, all the top tier teams, Liverpool have done really well against. We haven't lost a game to them this season. It's the mm. teams that are in the lower regions of the table that Liverpool have, have tended to struggle with. And it's not just this season. That's a, a notorious thing over a period of time, a couple of years with Liverpool. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely a banana skin on Sunday because, like I say, you've got a good record coming to Anfield in modern times and you know I, I, I look at your side and I think you know you, you've got players who can hurt us in the sense of you've got wide players in Townsend and Zaha 
he's playing really well at the moment and you can stretch the play a little bit and you've also got Ben Tehe up front so you might have a point to prove because obviously mm. he was at Liverpool last year he never really cut the mustard really under Klopp he didn't really play to the way Klopp's style he didn't shoot our style of play and the only thing with that is I'd like to think that Klopp knows the weaknesses of Ben Tehe though so that was the reason why he let him go. So you'd like to think he'd know the weaknesses of him and how to play against him or how to counteract his, his threat, to nullify his threat. Um, mm. But I think he's probably going to have defensive problems, aren't you? Because Shaco's been playing for, he's been one of your better players and he's ineligible for the game because he's he's on loan. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know whether it's Tompkins back, so that could be a bonus for you bringing him back. But I don't think he's at the level of Shaco, is he really? Um, well, him and Sacco have formed a good partnership before Tompkins got injured. And um, a bit like you were saying with Matip, he's a bit he's a different centre-half, really, to Sacco. Sacco gets down and dirty where Tompkins likes to play out a bit more. Um, but Tompkins coming back would definitely, well, I would imagine, will slot back in. Um, it's interesting what you were saying about attacking line, because even Jurgen Klopp has said today that um, we've got one of the best offensive lines in the league. And what I think you'll be surprised is, from when you see Ben Teke this time versus the player that you um, would have seen at Liverpool and the one earlier this season is Sam Allardyce has actually got him running <laughs> and um, putting in a lot more effort than he has done that I've previously seen him. So um, Klopp might always might also take a second look at that and think, oh, maybe I could have got a bit more out of him in, in the effort sense because when he first arrived at Palace, it was certainly... Um, he didn't run as much as strikers we've been used to, like Fraser Campbell, for example, who runs himself into the ground. Um, but looking at um, your team, who's who's the full man at the moment? Who should we be looking out for? Well, I mean, obviously he scored the two match winners in the last two games. Roberto Firmino, the Brazilian, he's been, you know, he, he's just hit a little bit of form at the right time. But also Coutinho as well. I mean, I always say he's our best player. He's our magician. He's the one that makes us tick and creates things for us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And to be honest, he's been in a little bit of a, a dodgy patch, really, since he got injured in November last year. It took his time getting back and he started playing again in January and it took him a good few months to get back up and running, really. His form was pretty poor. But um, since he, he returned from international duty, he was fantastic in the Merseyside derby. He scored the goal and just basically ran the show. He couldn't get near him. And then since then, he's been great. You know, He's been the one, really, that's made us tick. And like I say, they're hitting form at the right time at this stage of the season. It becomes very crucial, doesn't it? Three points are massive, aren't they, in all these games now? Because we want to get into the Champions League for next season. So they're the two main men. I mean, Liverpool have got injury concerns, though, for the game. Because, as you'll know, Mane's out for the season. Looks like Jordan Henderson's probably going to be out for the season as well. Lallana's not quite ready to return. 
Um, and we've got the defensive issues because this week Matip hasn't trained all week, Clavin hasn't trained all week, and neither has Lucas. So they're three mm-hmm. players who, who can play the centre half role, or obviously Lucas can play defensive midfield as well. So we have got our concerns really in the defensive department, but I'm hopeful that Matip will start the game. Yeah, well, that's um, obviously fantastic news for us. But um, is would you say Lalana's the biggest miss out of them with the season he's had? He's putting a good one from from afar. It looks like. Well, no, obviously Mane's the biggest loss, isn't he? Because he's been our best player consistently all season. Um, Lalana has got fantastic work ethic, and I think some of the work that he does do it goes a little bit unnoticed. He's a very good link player as well. From you know, obviously the fourth, the midfield to the attack, but. You know, we've coped quite well with his absence anyway, to be honest. I think, you know, Wijnaldum stepped up. He's been fantastic, really, since the turn of the year. Um, Emre Chan stepped up as well in recent weeks. So, you know, we, we have still got players who are in form in the middle of the park. But, I mean, obviously, any team's going to miss Lalana, Mane and Henderson, aren't they? Mm. Well, yeah, you... Um... You pointed out Firmino at the top there, and he's obviously he's already scored a couple of goals against Palace in his short Liverpool career. So, um, with all that in mind, what what's your prediction going to be for Sunday? You know what? I mean, I, I think it'll be a very tricky game, and I do think you've got players that can hurt us. But I just think now Liverpool have got five games left, three of them are at Anfield, and if we're going to qualify for the Champions League, personally, I think we need seven points to be safe because all the other teams around us have got to play each other, so they're guaranteed they're going to drop points. And it's important on Sunday for Liverpool because, you know, Manchester City are playing in the FA Cup semi-final. Man United do play against Burnley earlier on in the day. But I think if Liverpool can get a victory on the board against Palace on Sunday, it puts massive pressure on the Manchester derby the following Thursday. So with that in mind, I think we'll just about edge it and it'll be a 2-1 Liverpool victory. Well, Jay, look, thank you so much for joining us, pal. Um, really appreciate it. And we'll probably give you a call next season as well. No problem, lads. It's been a pleasure. Best of luck on Sunday. Uh, I, I save through gritted teeth. <laughs> Take care, pal. Cheers, boys. And you. Homestale Radio. Preview podcast. Sponsored by fanjul.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, now it's time for predictions. So, listeners have piped up with a couple. We've got Adam Rowe has gone 2-0 to Liverpool, but there's quite a few people. Everybody's saying 2-2, so repeating the Leicester score there. I don't think Sam Allardyce would be happy with a 2-2 because he'd want a clean sheet. He'd probably prefer a 0-0. Um, Jack, what do you, you fancy for Sunday? Um, yesterday, I made a prediction of 1-1, but having seen that some of the Liverpool defenders are going to be out, I'm going to change that to 2-2. I'd be very surprised if we get a win. You know, Liverpool gunning for Champions League places at the moment. They're in a bit of good form as well. I think it's five wins from seven. So to stop them winning would be quite impressive. Um, there's going to be goals. So, yeah, 2-2. Two, two. Two, uh, Nick, uh, you got you on a similar vein? Um, before I give you my prediction, don't forget the entire whole radio fan base is hanging on your words in a minute, Terence. Okay, so just be very careful with your predictions. Hey, before, predict- before we get further into your prediction, didn't we have a couple of two twos predicted last week for the Leicester game? Did, was that you? No, you didn't. You predict- I did. I didn't predict. I predicted three one to Leicester or something because I have to. I have to predict losses. Yeah, correct. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure there was a two two predicted last week. I forgot to go back and listen to see if By it was. Who? It wasn't me, was it? 
No, I, can't, uh, I can't remember. Really? I can't even. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it, I think I think it was two people. I think Albert predicted a two-two, and it. And I think you predicted a win. So yeah, did, who, yeah. whoever else was on, who else did we have on? Well, well done to Albert anyway. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so go on. Wade in with your prediction then. Okay, my prediction is because of their lack of centre halves. That's Liverpool's lack of centre halves. Okay, and we've got a fully fit and fully firing lineup. Uh, especially up front, the front four are uh, playing out their skins at the moment. Uh, I'm going to go for a two-one victory to Palace. Mm, so, and, and one of the scorers will be Benteke, and one of the scorers will be Johan Kabay. Right. Um, the Homesdale Radio poll on Twitter: thirty-nine um, percent have said that it will be a loss, with thirty-seven saying a draw, and the remaining twenty-four saying a win. And sorry, guys, I'm going to agree with a minority. We're going to win 3-2. I have a good feeling it's about this. We've lost. Uh, That's it. We're we're relegated now. (laughs) Their team is a wreck. Jay has filled me with with all sorts of confidence back up there in the opposition view section. He's filled me with all sorts of confidence. Um, I think Benteke, Townsend, Zaha are in such good form. Kabay in behind them. Pungent scored at Anfield in his career. They have no defenders. They have no defensive midfielders. They'll, they're just going to be ripe for the picking. I do think we'll concede because I think Firmino has a good record against us. And Cortino, Cortino, Cortino. So hang on, what did you actually? I've had a brain fart. I can't even remember how to say his name. Cortino. Yeah. Cortino and Firmino. Yeah. There you go whoever they are so they have good records so I think I think it's going to be tough to stop them from scoring but I, I genuinely think we're going to go up there and make it a hat-trick of wins and the score 3-2 mate 3-2 3-2 that's worth a tenner anyway Paddles. okay so uh, <laughs> and, and your scorers are uh, a Benteke Brace and uh, Wilfred Zaha there you go I said you need to go put a tenner on that I I probably won't. Uh, well, it depends how drunk I get on the train on the way up. But um, <laughs> Homestyle Radio does not condone large amounts of drinking alcohol or incessant or gambling. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, so we'll end the predictions there. And next up, uh, we'll be remembering our classic match, the, the infamous Crystal Palace 4, Liverpool 3 from 1990. Homestyle Radio, Freeview Podcast, sponsored by fanjul.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Setting. Rush going to the left now. Onside, Ian Rush. Liverpool take the lead. And Ian Rush, the ace goal scorer, once again makes it look so easy. Well, let's see what Palace can do about it now in the second half as they attack the Holt end here at Villa Park. John Pemberton, a lovely run early on. And a shot for Barber and Benison, and it's a shot. And it's there by Bright. It's Mark Bright straight from the kickoff. After John Salako's shot didn't quite get there, Bright certainly did, and Palace are level. What a dramatic start to the second half, and Liverpool are stunned. And now they've waved Andy Thorne up as well. Andy Gray has placed the ball. That's his cross, and Bright's there, and Riley's there, and Palace, are they in front? Yes, they are.
Staunch into Venison. Right across the goal, McMahon! Oh, it's there! It's 2-2! Steve McMahon! Where do we go from here? Extra time, perhaps? I don't know where we're going, but I'm certainly enjoying it, John. Well, you, I think, Terry, 40,000 inside the ground and millions at home. What a football match. Beardsley. Oh, look at this. Staunton. Penalty. Pemberton on Staunton. George Courtney has pointed the spot. And Pemberton is distraught. Well, I'm not sure about that from here. Staunton is in the box. There's no doubt about that. But was he pushed? Well, the referee couldn't have been closer, could he? Saturday, Sunday, the 8th of April 1990. Oh, don't want to do all the oldies there. They'll be right on my back for that. Uh, 38,389 people are crammed into Villa Park. Nick, you were one of those? You know I was. You know I was. Um, so it's the first ever FA Cup semi-final on TV. It's it's an early kickoff, wasn't it? Like midday? Yeah, really, 12.30 really 12, 12, 12, kickoff, I believe. And um, it ended up being described as the best TV viewing since man stepped on the moon, um, which is some compliment indeed. So um, going up to the game, Nick, uh, were you at the 9-0 earlier in the season? No, I wasn't. So we've got that fresh in the mind. And hadn't they duffed us up at home as well? I think, didn't they beat us 3-2 at home off uh, from memory, I believe? Yeah, so um, were you going up there with much confidence? No, I mean, we've gone up there for the party atmosphere. And I'm sure that we, you and I have actually reviewed this game before. I've got it in the back of my mind that I told you the story about my journey up there where we pulled up somewhere uh, close to Villa Park. I don't know where it was. Uh, and we came to the end of the road, got to the junction. There was the main road going up towards the stadium. And coming past us was this Rolls Royce. This Rolls Royce had been hand-painted red and blue. And I mean, <laughs> with a roller, with a proper roller brush. This lovely Rolls Royce had been uh, hand-painted red and blue. It was a, a fantastic party atmosphere. The, it, I think it was probably the early days of the red and blue balloons, the face painting. It was, uh, it was carnival atmosphere. Mm, so um, just for the, for the eagle eyes amongst us, it was 2-0 uh, they beat us at home. So 11-0 on aggregate over the right. season. Now, Jack, obviously, you, were, you weren't even born when this game goes on. So what, look, look, looking back, when you look back through Palace history and so on, um, is it one of those ones you wish you were at? Yes, it uh, took place six years before I was born, so I remember it well. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
No, it, it, yeah, from from sounds of it, and you know, I've had a little watch of it. Um, you know, it, it did look like a carnival atmosphere. And, you know, one of those who you want to go back to sort of the old style of sort of stands football cramming everyone in. Oh, yeah. um, like I say, you know, just the party atmosphere looked, you know, looked amazing. Yeah. So um, the lineups for the game were obviously Steve Coppel's men were Nigel Martin, John Pemberton, Richard Shaw, the Andy Gray. Gary O'Reilly, Andy Thorne, Phil Barber, Jeff Thomas, Mark Bright, John Solarco, and Alan Pardew. That's a who's who of Palace past. And um, Kenny Dalglish is Everton, started with Bruce Grobelar, Glenn Hyson, David Burrows, Gary Gillespie, Ronnie Whelan, Alan Pundit Hansen. Oh, I miss him on Match of the Day slagging Palace off. Uh, Peter Beersley, uh, Ray Houghton, uh, who would go on to play for Palace, obviously. Ian Rush, John Barnes and Steve McMahon. So, um, Nick, 15 minutes in, you know the team talk would have been let's keep, let's keep it nil-nil into halftime for as long as possible um, and see what can happen later in the game. And Padre gives the ball away to McMahon in the middle of the park. Uh, he slots in, rush in. Nigel Martin goes walkabouts and it's one nil. How is your feeling? <laughs> I, I tell you, looking at back, because I've reviewed it today on the uh, on YouTube, and the, the I mean, it was just Padre's style defending in midfield, wasn't it? That, and it, and the McMahon popped the ball through to Rushy, and Rushy did what he did best. But the, my what I did notice today, and you were talking earlier on about. Um, wrong things to be said at football matches these days. But one thing I did notice from that bit of footage, uh, when um, the goal goes in and Rushy scores the goal, was a plume of cigarette smoke in the whole end, <laughs> which, you, of course, you never see these days. I mean, I don't know why, but it just stuck in my mind when I, when I reviewed the tape today, this big plume of smoke. And it was whether, obviously where all the Palace fans were, they were just standing there having a fag because... Yeah, normal services resumed. They'd already beaten us twelve 0 this year. They're going to go on and do it again. Even with, mm. so, we couldn't. So we couldn't keep it out for half time. Go in the break, one 0 down. Yeah, well, I um, I had four Dutch guys at the Leicester game with me who I met on my stag do when I went to watch Utrecht play. And um, when we was in Utrecht watching the game, it was on the terrace. They everybody was smoking, everybody's drinking beer, watching the game. And um, I had to <laughs> remind them that. You can't take your beer inside the pitch, and you definitely <laughs> cannot smoke inside the stadium. So uh, yeah, don't forget. Yeah, and, um, but it didn't ruin the day for them. They had a great time. So um, yeah, then we we so we get to the break. Uh, thankfully, it's still only one nil. And um, Steve Coppel was asked, "Had you made it back to your seat before Mark Bright had scored?" And um, it only just was walking up the sideline when when Pembo went bombing past him and uh, beat a couple of men and putting a cross that caused havoc. Uh, Jack, you don't you don't really see that many goal, goal mouth scrambles of that quality these days, do you? <laughs> you do miss a goal mouth scramble. Um, you've got to go, only got to look at the lower leagues for it. But um, <laughs> no, there's, there's thankfully a little bit more quality. But, um, you know, all, all those goals count. And, you know, it was good to get that second half underway with a bit of a yeah. positive start. Yeah, I've, never so seen, I've, ne- I've never seen Pembo do a long... You know, he was playing that day like a wing back. I mean, there wasn't such thing as a wing back in those days. And that was a real lung bust of a run mm. that he made down that right hand side after kickoff, wasn't it? Yeah. I'd love to be able to talk to him about that. Um, perhaps we should try and get him on the show one day. If we can get in yeah. contact with him. I'd just love to know what he was thinking because everything I've ever heard and seen of John Pemberton, that just wasn't him, you know? So Absolutely right. And you're bang uh, on. 
and tip of the cap to Mark Bright. That's some finish. It looks, you know, it's a scrappy goal in the main, but it's he does well to get behind that ball, keep it down, and smash it home. Um, then on 69 minutes, unbelievably, we take the lead. I mean, Nick, give us give us a sort of like concept of what it was like for Liverpool to throw a lead away in those days. I mean, they were. They were the Real Madrid and Barcelona currently, okay, combined. They that's what Liverpool were like in, in that day. That that lineup of Liverpool's was full of superstars. They I can't I don't know what they went on to win in the way way of um first division championships, but they were record breakers. They were an outstanding outfit. And you're about to ask me what you know, what was it like in the crowd? when we went 2-1 up, well, the answer to your question is, I don't know, because I think I was on the floor. Yeah, because <laughs> it was just, it was carnage, absolute carnage. But what a day. And and I was actually, I spent the whole day with my late best friend, Mark, uh, Mark Whelan's, and mm. God, he was a mess. He was a mess before we got to the ground, okay? But <laughs> he was crying by the end of the day, absolutely yeah. sobbing his eye out. You know, because yeah. my my palace this and my palace that. We've just done them <laughs> Liverpool bastards. <you> know? <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, so we're in the 69th minute. Andy Gray became very very influential in the outcome of the game. Uh, mm. Clips a free kick in. Mark Bright sort of knocks it down to O'Reilly. Kind of more bounces off of off of him, and O'Reilly smashes. The ball home, um, Steve Koppel said that a couple of weeks before he'd had a goal disallowed like that for offside in a game. And um, so he's happy to see that one count. And amazingly, we get into the last 10 minutes um, with the lead still intact. And Steve Koppel said he spoke to John Motson um, in the build-up to the game. And John Motson was said, whatever you do, make sure you only score in the last 10 minutes because that's the only time that you can beat Liverpool. Because if you're leading in the last 10 minutes, they'll come back and beat you. <laughs> And um, on 81 minutes, uh, Steve Staunton came, had come on as a sub for Ian Rush and obviously went on to play for Palace as well, scored from the halfway line against Tramia. Um, uh, he slots the ball to Venison. Venison's cross goes along the floor, bobbles to the outside of the box as Steve McMahon hammers in a curling shot sort of towards the top corner. Absolutely unstoppable, yeah. Cracking goal. And Liverpool fans haven't even finished celebrating before... Um, Pembo's fouling Staunton in the area. Talk about an influential sub. And um, John Barnes slots it away. Uh, there was no doubt it was a penalty. Is there, Jack? I'm, I'm sure you, from the footage, it looked like a pen to me. Yeah, he's kind of doing everything he can to bring him down to the floor almost. Um, <laughs> he got caught wrong side. <laughs> so, you know, he's, for, he's in on goal. It's a professional foul is what you might call it. Um, yeah, sort of hacked him down, didn't he? So then, what always amazes me about the footage, and uh, talking about, I hated. I'm just so wish we were there. Like I was there. It's horrible, but um, it's the going into the 89th minute. uh, We've got a free kick in our own half, and we're just about to lump it long. And all you can hear is Villa Park singing, "You'll never walk alone." Liverpool fans basically thinking, "We've done it. We're home and hosed." And um, another mad scramble in shoes in the penalty area, and. Ian Wright called it his favourite Palace goal. <laughs> I don't know why, considering it bobbles all over the place, but it just seems like Gray's eventually a magnet to the ball. Was took Jeff Thomas heads one in, chases it down, and then Gray just scores from close range. And um, the scenes behind the goal on the terrace just looks incredible, Nick. 
Yeah, don't forget, we had half the whole end, okay, and all the way down, as you're looking from the whole end, all the way down the left-hand side. And, you know, in the stands, there was posh people, posh palace, you know, flat cap brigade, okay, going absolutely berserk, mental. And um, we actually had a chance to go ahead before the the fourth goal winning as well. I don't know if you you guys remember it, but um, Andy Gray, when, when we see him next week, or the week after next, I must remember to shake his hand because that that goal where he, he, he literally just popped up, okay? And again, it's not like him. It's not the sort of thing. None of the goals were classic goals. None. Of, the only the only good goal out of all of them was Steve Steve Stoughton's goal. Um, but Andy, thought, Andy Gray popping up with that little header into the top corner, it went mental, as you well, I'm sure you saw by the scenes. Yeah, well, Steve, Steve McMahon's goal um, you're talking about there. But obviously, the whole end looks massive these days with the seats in. So I can only imagine what it was like as a terrace. Um, but obviously, it gets to full time and uh, going into extra time. And uh, Mark Bright and Ian Wright have talked about Steve Koppel just saying, this is yours, lads. You can take this away from them. This is where your fitness is going to tell your extra fitness. And, um, you know, 107 minutes uh Andy Gray once again involved. Corners flicked on at the near post by Thorne. And um, that man that uh, a lot of Palace fans seem to hate these days, Adam Pardew's there to nod it in from close range. And, you know, just unbelievable results for Crystal Palace. Little old Crystal Palace as it was then to to beat Liverpool 4-3 in front of millions of people watching at home in just in utter disbelief. And Kenny Dalglish is face on the sideline um echoed that disbelief as well was because you know there was there's so many clips of him just looking lost <laughs> as it were can i give you a little bit of a, a an update of what happened after the game um, you certainly it, can it was one of those things where it was little old crystal palace against the mighty giants of uh liverpool um to be fair, and you hear a lot of bad press about the people from Liverpool, but that day when we came out of the ground, I must have come past 20 or 30 different sets of Liverpool fans coming out of the ground. Obviously, they were pissed off because their team had just lost and an embarrassing defeat to Palace. But to a man, absolutely to a man, I had guys coming up to me that I'd never met in my life and I'll never meet again saying, well done, mate. Uh, your team deserve that. Have a great day at Wembley and shaking my hand. None of the, you know, Palace Brighton thing come up and smack you in the mouth all that. It was genuine, proper football fans saying congratulations on your well-deserved win and enjoy your day out at Wembley. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that would have been the time when Liverpool would have been um, expecting trophies to continue to fall at their feet. So um, it's easy for them to say that. I'm not sure they'd be so that way now. <laughs> Take any trophy. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, right, but and and of course this is still considered to be the greatest FA Cup game of all time. Every poll that ever comes out has it at number one, and um, it will be hard pressed to see it beaten. But um, there you go. That's another classic match in the book. Uh, we will be back after this short jingle. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. We have arrived at the end. Thanks to Peter, firstly, from the cop table. Um, very good insight from him. 
And uh, thanks to all those who sent in our predictions and voted on our polls, etc. And of course, thanks to the Wizzy Billiam in the background for his producing skills. Um, the Liverpool Review Show will be live on Sunday night shortly after the game. Hambo will be joined by Albert Patrick and Lucy for that one. You can head over to wholeradio.net at 8pm on Sunday night to listen live or also facebook.com forward slash wholeradio. Alternatively, the podcast version will be available from around 10pm after the game. Now, you have a deadline for Friday the 21st um, if you want to play in the whole Radio Palace 11 aside event at Sellers Park. Yes, that's right. You can play at Sellers Park. And to do this, um, it was a bit of a thank you for the crowdfunding effort that you guys raised loads of money for our um equipment and you know running costs for next season and uh, as a result of the great amount of money we raise we've put on this little um treat and you can head over to wholeradio.net forward slash play at selhurst and you can bid to play in the match and um all the money etc goes to good causes and you get to play with um a couple of We'll say unnamed ex-Palace players at the moment, just to, just to make sure we confirm them. But it's going to be a great evening at Sellers Park. So um, head over there and get involved. Um, have either of you two bid on a place and got one? Over to you, Jack. <laughs> okay, okay, well, yeah, um, I'll certainly have a look at it, though. Well, put it this way. There will, be two, there will be two field pots in the lineup. Okay. And I'm not either of them. Both of my sons, <laughs> two, two of my sons are playing. You don't expect me to run around with an oxygen tank on my back there. Uh, I'm. I, I will be there on a the day. I shan't be. I shan't be playing because of my dodgy knees. And um, if I can't, if I do play and I can't walk on my wedding day, I'm sure my missus won't be <laughs> the, the happiest person alive. Um, my, I'm. I'm gonna try and run around the pitch for ten minutes at the Renf game. So, but I will be there, and um, as will a lot of the whole radio team. So you'll be able to meet us, but there'll be much better people to meet than us that day. So absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah, so come make sure you get involved. Come along. That will be a great afternoon. I think the doors open. Uh, we got those playing got to be there by 2.15 I believe uh, and there, and Terence is quite right there's a couple of uh, ex-Palace players one that I won't name but has been featured extremely heavily in this podcast will be playing <laughs> um, and and he has confirmed so come along enjoy the day support what is a great uh, a great cause okay go to a couple of very good charities all proceeds are going to a couple of good charities it is a, it is a midweek day but come along and, and support us and, and enjoy the day Yes, indeed. So that's it then. We'll we'll finish it there. Thank you, Jack, for joining your second preview, going with the Croydon Advertiser one this week. So thanks for joining, mate. Yeah, I'm just so so looking forward to Liverpool. Can't wait to see more previews. <laughs> yeah, can't can't wait to win three two, right? <laughs> <laughs> and of course to my old pal Nick there. Thank you, mate. Buddy, have a great weekend. Enjoy Liverpool. I can't make it, but have a safe trip. I will be there. We're, we're going fully crewed up. There's loads of us. I think there's going to be about 10 of us there. Nice okay. old heavy drink up on Sunday and Monday. She'll be interesting at work. Um, <laughs> anyway, look, in the, until the next time, up the palace. Homestel Radio Preview Podcast. Sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.